listening live to the latest edition of the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Online with our app, Tanner Hoops, coming at you Wednesday afternoon, as I love to do. We are going to be joined by John Michael Hofling from ABC10 coming up here in about 15, 20 minutes or so. But first, the Wisconsin Sports Update. And for that, we have my man Charlie Bramer in studio with me. What's up, Charlie? I'm really happy to be here, and today's a great day in Major League Baseball. We all know I'm a homer with my teams. On days like today, I can even expand a little bit. It's a lot of fun watching all these teams and the potential deals and and the deals that do go down. And fortunately, the last few years, my Brewers have been involved in the trade deadline. Today, I'm not super happy about what's gone down, but teams like the Indians and stuff have made some really positive moves. Well, I tell you what, you're not too happy with the Brewer front offices to sit down for me here on a Wednesday afternoon. A couple of days ago, though, I want to start there. Jordan Lyles came over from Pittsburgh, and he's a guy that a lot of people don't know. He's got okay stuff, but he's better than a lot of the guys that the Brewers have thrown out thus far in the starting rotation. I want to get your thoughts on the Jordan Lyles pickup. Just from a Milwaukee Brewers standpoint, they turned down his $3.5 million option last year, so that was how much they valued him just a few months ago. Yep. And then in two starts, two or three starts against the Brewers this year, I believe he's like seven or eight innings pitched with 12 runs. I mean, it's something crazy like that. Those aren't right. exact numbers. But the Brewers just blew him up. He spent some time on the injured list. He has pitched for extended periods of time this year. He's pitched extremely well. He had like a six to eight week stretch where he had an ERA around two. The guy that has a big curveball. And his velocity usually sits 91 to 93. Um, but there have been times where you can tell he's feeling better. His breaking ball have a little more break to it. And his fastball touch 94, 96. When it's those days, and which, which are typically more the later, warmer afternoon, later in the summer days, which what is what we're coming into here. When you get to those days, he seems to be a little bit better. He pitched well with the Brewers last year. I was kind of surprised, actually, that they turned down that $3.5 million option. So they give up a prospect for him to get, to get him back and pay the rest of that deal. I found that fairly interesting. He's starting right away tonight. Brewers lost that heartbreaker last night. Mm. And and um, and then today, trading Jesus Aguilar, my favorite player. That that yeah. was that was rough for me. Yeah, the Rays are looking for a little more help at first base. They've got G-Man Choi. They've got Yandy Diaz. Now they want to get a power bat with Jesus Aguilar. In return, Milwaukee gets Jake Faria. Your thoughts on him? He has pitched well at times in the majors. Down in the PCL, his ERA's been over five this year, but... The league ERA is like five and a half. Mm. So he's actually been slightly above average for the Pacific Coast League this year. So that's that's not really that bad. If he can give them solid innings and ERA anywhere around four, that's going to be a boost for the Brewers. But now it it's, you know, what are they going to do against uh, lefty starters? You know, right. their lineup is stacked against righties, which is in the NL Central what they're typically going to be facing. Jesus, I mean, he's been hitting... Well over his OPS has been close to 800 now for the last six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. and people kind of forget Jesus can play third base. The Brewers didn't use him there much, but he's a good third baseman if needed, kind of like a Miguel Cabrera type third baseman. Not a lot of range, but a good glove, good arm. Um, I I just I really thought you know the Brewers would 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 hold on to him, and because come playoff time, if a guy like that can get hot, I mean he can really carry a team. And, but I guess the Brewers aren't so much concerned with that. They're concerned with just making the playoffs right now. Well, I tell you what, I want to get to the playoff picture here in a moment, but the look of the Brewer lineup, are we going to see a lot of Eric Thames maybe being the everyday first baseman? And does that mean maybe when you have a left-handed pitcher on the mound, does that mean we're going to see a lot of Yasmani Grandal at first? Yeah, they've been doing that early in the season. Manny Pena, he hasn't been hitting for average this year, but he has been slugging. Hitting the ball hard when, when he's been in the batter's box and limited limited chances. So it looks like he's going to get some more tries out there. Travis Shaw is apparently still going to be in the mix then. And Yasmani Grandal is going to have to turn it around and hit right-handed, which the Dodgers weren't even really super thrilled with him hitting right-handed as a catcher. So as a first baseman, the Brewers are going to be rolling the dice on that. Early in the year, he was hitting well right-handed. He hasn't hit much of anything right-handed here the last month, month and a half. Uh, he hasn't hit a home run since July 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been he's been getting on base. He actually leads the Brewers in walks. It's not Christian Yelich. It's Yasmani Grandal, which which kudos to him. That's 
if you if you can walk more than Christian Yelich, you're doing a great job. <laughs> but I I I was really surprised by this move. It weakens the Brewers lineup against left-handers significantly. Um, but they needed a guy with options, and and because that's what this roster is built around. It's built around being able to bring guys up from AAA, kind of extend the depth a little bit to be able to compete with teams that are a little more fortified, you know, like the star caliber of players. And the Brewers trying to make up with that by being able to bring guys up and down and get get some contributions for a few days and send them back, bring up some somebody fresh. And they couldn't do that with Asus. They can do that with Travis Shaw the rest of the year. Um, and, and they can do that with Jake Ferrier, who they just traded for. Well, I tell you what, let's take a look at the playoff picture. Milwaukee falling last night. And I tell you what, I'm still adamant about this. I think Milwaukee will finish ahead of the Cubs. I think overall their roster is better. The Cubs are more balanced. But I think Milwaukee will finish ahead of the Cubs when it's all said and done. But the Cardinals are starting to worry, man. They're really figuring it out right now. And their roster is weird. Like, I can't figure out if they're talented as a whole. You know what you're going to get out of guys like Martinez, DeYoung, Goldschmidt. But it's those guys like Harrison Bader, uh, those mid-level guys that they contribute every once in a while. But they were not the team I thought would win the NL Central this year, or at least be in the driver's seat at the trade deadline. Yeah, and guys like Colton Wong, he started out red hot to begin the year. And now he's been he's been cold lately, but yet they're managing to win. Their shortstop, you know, was an All Star this year, and and his numbers have plummeted. But mm-hmm. yet they're con- they're 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 beginning to win now. Kind of like it, it, it's just so strange. You're wondering how are they picking up these wins? Because you look at the statistics and the production really isn't there. Um, they could definitely uh, be a team that could pull off a move or that we were expecting to be able to pull off a move, but then it's just kind of not really happening, kind of with several other teams. It's incredible around the league this year how, you know, from one year to the next, like you look at what the moves the Brewers were able to make last year compared to this year, and that's kind of been a league-wide thing this year, the lack of moves for teams other other than the Indians, of course. Well, I tell you what, that happened last night, of course, and then we had the melee brawl out in Cincinnati as well. That was fun to watch. You like brawls? You know, when they're when they're a real brawl, then <laughs> then that can be interesting. I've I've got to see some pretty good ones in person. Um, it, it it kind of you know, it's not like I go to a, a ton of baseball games living up here, but uh, the games that I've gone to, I actually saw some pretty decent ones at the Metrodome. Oh yeah, involving the Twins. I was just a little kid, and, and the names are escaping me at the moment. It kind of seemed like the Reds, Reds were just fed up with that, and mm-hmm. him getting ejected walking off the field. It's kind of fitting the last time he walks off uh, the field with a Reds uniform on, he was being ejected. And the guy he's traded for, his last throw ever as a Cleveland Indian, went over the center field wall. Yeah, very interesting, you know, how they're exchanging these players. It seems like the teammates, uh, you kind of love being teammates with those guys, but you don't really like playing against them. Well, I tell you what, Milwaukee last night falling in heartbreaking fashion, 3-2 to two walk-off loss in Oakland. That came in 10 innings. They were able to battle back, and you know what? I feel that Bob Melvin overused Liam Hendricks in that situation, tried to go for what was a five-out save, and the Brewers ended up tying the game with a solo home run. Then Oakland with Matt Olson able to walk it off in the 10th. But tell me about Oakland and what you've seen from this team. A rare interleague series. They're going to have to go into it tonight with a depleted offense. So who are they going to stick in that DH spot? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, what I see from Oakland is a team that plays extremely good defense. They are they are a very good defensive team, and they can hit a lot of home runs. And, you know, that's what the Brewers were hoping to be this year. Their defense, they started off really strong defensively. It started to kind of wean a little bit of late, and, and so have the home runs, unfortunately. But but the athletics, it's just up and down that lineup. You have to be careful. Every guy up and down that lineup, as Josh Hader found out last night, that was not a bad pitch Mm -hmm. that Matt Olson hit out. Uh, The problem was it was down in the zone. I was really impressed with Eric Thames being able to turn on that 97-mile-an-hour fastball up. That and, and hit that to right center field as a left-handed batter. That that was an impressive piece of hitting. And but when Josh Hader gets down in the zone with that fastball, that's when he becomes hittable. And that's exactly what Matt Olson did. Did you stay up to watch the entire thing? I was up watching it, fell asleep, then uh, woke up, and then thanks to the MLB 
app was able to just uh, go back and then watch the last uh, inning and a half. It was very disappointing. I was like, I should have just stayed asleep. <laughs> well, tonight you've got another chance at another 10.07 start. Jordan Lyles, again, he'll make his Brewer debut. He goes up against Brett Anderson, a guy with a 9-6 and six record. He's quietly been effective for Oakland this year. His ERA is over 4. He struck out 61 and walked 35 for a whip of 128. What do you think about him? You know, I haven't seen him pitch this year, and... Um, I it, it's incredible how much you can find just going to these guys' player pages. You know, looking at uh, percentage of pitches that they throw, uh, what what uh, you know, what their average velocity, spin rates, and all this. And um, being so caught up in the trade deadline stuff today, I haven't uh, I haven't looked at him as closely yet. But just just from what I've kind of heard and the numbers that I have seen, it seems like a guy that the Brewers do stand a decent chance against. But recently, guys that I've thought they stand a decent chance against, they haven't. And it's really weird because they have been, since the All-Star break, absolutely at about league bottom against starters. And they have been a league best against relievers, which for the Brewers is a total flip. They're usually... Um, get relievers come in throwing a big fastball and breaking ball, and the Brewers just start striking out left and right. Um, usually they're the team to get to a starter, and that's how they're going to win a game. Um, but lately that, that, that's just been totally flipped around. So this, this Brewers team this year has been real hard to put a, put a thumb on, that's for sure. Well, I tell you what, Lyles is going to make the start in place of Gio Gonzalez. A little bit of shoulder tightness. Guy, they just can't afford to lose right now. No, and he was pitching so well against the Cubs that it, this is just this year has been it's been so strange and and I feel like they've been putting guys like Corbin Burns on the injured list just as a way of getting them to kind of restart and and they need these guys to come back and just eat up some innings for crying out loud. I mean, it it is such a they're in such a desperate spot right now. They are so lucky to even be as close to end this as they are. Well, I tell you what, Jordan Lyles with a chance to avoid being a part of a club that he really wants no part of being. Here's your stat of the day, Charlie. You're not going to like it, but we got to throw it out there. Jordan Lyles currently has a batting average against of 444 in his four July starts. The last time a pitcher made four more starts in the month of July and allowed an average of 444 or higher was 1989. Charlie LeBrand did it. He gave up a 474 average. It's only happened four times in baseball history. So Lyles is trying to avoid being part of that club with his last start of July tonight. What are you expecting now to him? What's a good benchmark for Lyles in his Brewer debut? In, in, it's going to be kind of every start for him, what I'm hoping for from here on out. You know, in years past, a quality start has always been six innings, three or less runs, and then now in in this newer age with with extended use of the bullpen a shorter bench extra guy in the bullpen especially with teams like the Brewers pitchers like Chase Anderson who you really don't want going through that lineup a third time a quality start has kind of become 5 innings of 2 runs or less and if he can give the Brewers that i would just be oh i would i would be the happiest guy around and if he can manage to do that, hopefully that would bring, and, and I would have to imagine that that would even out his statistics enough that he wouldn't uh, be the first guy since 1989 to get hit that hard. Charlie Bramer in the studio with me for the Wisconsin Sports Update. Let's switch over to the Bucks here in the final minutes because they made a move last week. This is the first time you're on the show since the move happened, but they bring in the former number four overall pick from the Phoenix Suns in Dragon Bender can't believe he's in his early 20s yeah he's still only 21 i thought he was like 23 24 maybe 25 he's still only 21 he hasn't really played a ton of professional basketball before the nba so the bucks are seeing him as a guy that this is potentially his breakout year and they signed him to a two-year deal but when you look at the way the deal is structured only three hundred thousand dollars of it is guaranteed and and they have all these benchmarks throughout the season like if he sticks on the roster then they owe him another two hundred thousand then if he's still on the roster in december they give him another two hundred thousand and then if he's on the roster after january 10th i believe it is the rest of this year becomes guaranteed and then if they hold on to him it's after july 6th 
last year is when the following year of the contract becomes guaranteed. So there's just all these clauses, and, and Bender was apparently really banking on himself to make an impact on this team. The thing is, is I really don't see where he's going to fit as far as getting playing time. Um, obviously, if he's playing well and practicing well, the Bucks will hold on to him for the price they signed him for. But just just as far as making an impact on the court with signings like Robin Lopez bringing Brooke back, and then guys like DJ Wilson um, already really having a good foothold and a good spot on this team, I really don't see where he fits. But but it's a good way to fill out that final roster spot, and 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 I like the move overall, and I like how team friendly of a deal. It's kind of surprising the team friendly deals they've been able to get. Wesley Matthews, obviously Kyle Korver, we knew would sign for a for a veteran minimum, but but this Bender signing was another really friendly team deal. That that I'm wondering if you know he just wants to come and compete on a team that can win and prove himself. And the other aspect to it, he's seven one. Can't teach that. Can't coach that. Can't coach that, and he's 7-1 and can shoot. That's exactly what Milwaukee's looking for. That's exactly how they want to build that team yep. and continue it on from last year. John Horst won Executive of the Year last year, giving us no reason to think he's not going to do it again. Yeah, and I'm still really excited because they have still a ton of flexibility for during the season to make more moves, um, barring injury and stuff. This team could stay the same if if they're playing well, but I mean, I, I really see room for moves with the picks they acquired in in a deal earlier. Um, you know, they were pretty short on picks. Now they acquired some more, so there's still flexibility there to maybe shed some cap space, um, sign somebody that gets cut or you know waived later in the year, or trade picks for players. Um, so so there's still room for the roster uh, to be made. Uh, changes to it during the season and you always like that for for a team that's looking to contend well i tell you what charlie last thing before i let you go a couple of things i guess with football the first ncaa.com preseason poll came out badgers were ranked number 16 what do you think about them i think that that's a pretty good spot for them um i was kind of surprised that they were in the top 20 to be honest with their you know there's a lot of question marks at quarterback but then obviously at running back you know having the the star kind of that that you know Jonathan Taylor is who I'm expecting to win the Heisman Trophy I think that's kind of like a consensus pick at this point there's obviously going to be a lot of dark horse candidates for that there always is I think that's a good spot you know this team defensively is always strong as far as Big Ten football there's a lot of people picking Nebraska to surprise a lot this year. I don't year. know why. I have no idea either, but I, I still have to pick Wisconsin from that uh, from that part of the Big Ten. But I think a 16 is, is a pretty accurate – would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think 16 is pretty good. Um, it gives them – you know, an opportunity to move up, but then if if they kind of drop out of it, it's not like they were overranked. I tell you what, are you a fan of the Hall of Fame game? Like, I know there are people who are going to watch it because they missed football for that long. You going to watch it? I like the Hall of Fame game, and I watch it when the Packers <laughs> play in it. Um, it it all depends. Actually, I might watch it because the Brewers are on the West Coast. So, there you go. So it kind of gives me. I haven't watched it the last few years because because Brewers games have been going on. But I might actually watch it this year because um, uh, obviously the Brewers being on the West Coast kind of frees me up to to watch some other sports. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. The Wisconsin Sports Update. Glad to have you along as always. Glad to have you here. Tuesday, we'll have the Wisconsin Sports Update. That still works for you, right? Oh, certainly. All right, good, because I'll be getting back from Iowa, and we've got a best-of-series coming back on Monday. But we'll look forward to Tuesday then. We'll see what happens by then. Cool. Sounds great. Have a great trip, and I'm looking forward to Tuesday. I appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much. By the way, a few other trades to let you know of before we hit the break. The Brewers have been busy. They've acquired Drew Pomeranz and Ray Black from the Giants. In exchange, San Fran gets Mauricio Dubon. Meanwhile, Oakland lands Tanner Roark from Cincinnati. In exchange, the Reds get Jamison Hanna. The Nationals are picking up closer Ronis Elias and Hunter Strickland from Seattle. Taylor Gibbol, Elvis Adorado and Aaron Fletcher are heading to the Mariners. The Nationals get Daniel Hudson from Toronto in exchange for Kyle Johnson. Tony Kemp is heading to the Chicago Cubs for Martin Maldonado. The Rangers get Nate Jones from the White Sox for Ray Castro and Joseph Jarneski. 
So how about that? The Brewers continuing to stay busy. Just a few trades that have happened over the course of the last hour or so. We'll continue to keep an eye on those. Let's take a time out. When we come back, John Michael Hofling from ABC10 joins me to talk about how Michael Thomas is the new richest whiteout in the NFL. That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP10. Hoops with you. Glad to have you along this Wednesday afternoon. We welcome in John Michael Hofling out of ABC 10 here per usual on Wednesdays. And we got a lot to break down regarding Major League Baseball. Michael Thomas got paid. We're going to get to all that and more over the rest of this show. What's up, Michael? Not much, man. It's been a good week, though. Has I'm, it? I'm very, very sore. Uh, we did the Teal Lake swim this past weekend, and my left tricep is still not over it. I am still very, very much in pain. <laughs> Yeah, you were uh, you were a competitive swimmer for a long time yeah, growing up since, in California. Since, since you did some I, polo. Yeah, since I was four. I've been swimming since I was four. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've been out of it for three years now, and I can tell. <laughs> I've been starting to get more used to the idea that polo is a water sport because it sounds like something you do with horses. That's what a lot of people say, man. That was one of the first things I got when I started playing water polo. I came up to this really cute girl, and I was like, hey, I play water polo. And they are like, oh, I like water polo, but... How do they get the horses in the water? <laughs> and I was like, not quite, uh, not quite what goes down. But you know, you're on the right track. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hovling with you. Glad to have you as always. Well, earlier today, at least one major NFL holdout ended. Michael Thomas got paid. Man, he got. Well, we're going to reveal the number here in a little bit. But there are a lot of zeros behind it. And yep. I tell you what, pretty well deserved. Yeah, I'd say he deserves it. I, I've gone on record saying I think he's a Tier 1 wide receiver along with only Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Yeah. So he absolutely, absolutely deserves it. I think Drew Brees would be, would be able to succeed without him. Mm-hmm. But I, he's one of the best in the game. But they can both elevate each other. With each other. Yep. And the thing to keep in mind is this is not just a new contract. This is an extension. It is a five-year, $100 million extension. He's already on his rookie deal, which is set to run out here in about a year. Mm-hmm. So they've just locked him up for about six years and made him the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL history. Drew Brees has had a lot of really good receivers mm-hmm. for the New Orleans Saints. Marcus Colston. Yep. Uh, Joe Br- Horn. Yeah, Joe. Remember him? <laughs> a little bit. And then Brandon Cooks, right? I think Michael Thomas is, blows everybody else out. I do, too. Yeah. He might be the best receiver Breeze has ever had. Yeah. Even going back to his time with the Chargers, his favorite target was a tight end. Yeah. It was Antonio Gates. So I tell you what, given Breeze, a guy like this in the final years of his career, does that mean it's Super Bowl or bust? Like it's, they're trying to get him one more title? It's, it's always Super Bowl or bust. I think Breeze has three more years, maybe, left yeah. on him. So. so Michael Thomas is going to be around long after Drew Breeze. I agree. So then who would be the heir apparent? I mean, are they going to try and bring back Teddy Bridgewater, do something like that? They already have a guy named Taysom Hill. <laughs> He's Taysom, a receiver. He, he can fill any role they need him to. <laughs> He's a Swiss Army knife. He can probably play line. He can be a kicker if they really he need him to. He can be a shooting to. guard if they needed him to be. I like Taysom Hill. I'm a huge Taysom Hill fan. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not in the top 100 this year because <laughs> he can do it all. He can do it all. There's nothing he can't do. He plays blocker, receiver, quarterback, running back, returner. He even, I think he even like kicked a kickoff once. He is Julian Edelman 2.0. Yeah. And now Danny Etling is Julian Edelman 3.0. Or Taysom Hill 2.0. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting the we're getting the patent patents down right. The patents are starting to work out, but man, I love Taysom Hill. I just I'm, he's a fan favorite for me. My first ever trip to Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame was playing BYU. I saw Taysom Hill in person. That was fun. Mm-hmm. He's a fun guy. Was he as fun in college? Like in no, terms of because watch? he only played quarterback. Okay, good. Now he plays everything. Yeah, he can play anything that the Saints want him to. They can line up Drew Brees as a wideout and put Hill under center. I think they did that last year yeah, on Monday they Night did, Football, which makes no sense because why would you ever cover <laughs> Drew Brees? <laughs> and that was the point. That was the logic in it. Ah, it makes all right. We're getting into a funky place for the NFL. I tell you what, Dan Graziano. A couple of weeks ago, he said that when Drew Brees retires, it would make a lot of sense, or at least he wouldn't be surprised. If Eli Manning moves on from the Giants rather than the other way around, he would want to play closer to home. The Saints would be the closest franchise. He thinks the Saints could be a likely landing spot for Eli. What do you Eli think? Manning has less longevity than Drew Brees. You think so? Yeah, I mean, the, the Saints haven't drafted a quarterback in how long? 
mm-hmm. mean, they drafted Taysom Hill, but like Taysom Hill sort of a quarterback. Like yeah. they haven't drafted a franchise quarterback yeah. in a long time. Whereas the New York Giants straight up just took a, just took a quarterback with a sixth pick. Mm-hmm. Is he a franchise quarterback? I, I highly doubt it. But they are saying, hey, Eli, you're on your last string. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Saints are like, hey, hey, Breeze, like, come on. You, you got seven more years left in you. They want to stick around as long as possible, but just in case they're gearing up for a Super Bowl run, they should have played in it last year, and they're trying to send him off with a bang. But I tell you what, let me amend your statement. Eli will not last as long as Drew Brees in a Giants uniform. He may outlast Drew Brees. It's going to be close. What team would want him? I think the Saints could want him. I think Baltimore could want him. I think if any team's going to grab him, it's going to be New England, because then he can't beat them in the Super Bowl. I don't think they need to worry about that anymore throughout their <laughs> career. But Eli's still a serviceable quarterback. I mean, you look at his numbers, they were up from the last couple of years last season. I mean, well, he's still say, a serviceable guy. To say they were up from the last season, that's not like... I know it's a low bar. it to much. I know it's a low bar, but this is a probable Hall of Famer who's won two Super Bowls. I mean, would he not be an upgrade over Lamar Jackson right now? No. You don't think so? No. Lamar Jackson is going to fit into this system. Mark Ingram is stunned at how well they believe this system is going to work. And he's young, not to mention that. Like In the future, I think there's an upside for Lamar Jackson. I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have at least a year and a half worth of really, really strong football before people notice, that, notice what he's doing and adapt to it, right? So Eli doesn't even have that. Eli has zero, zero games of great elite-level football left in him. You think so? He, he brings nothing to the table anymore. I wouldn't say that. I think he's still serviceable. Where would you put him in terms of ranking the quarterbacks right now? Would you put him in bottom five? I would probably put him in uh, somewhere between 20 and 30, something like that. I'd probably put him 28 to 32. Really? Yeah. Why? Because he hasn't done anything. Is he worse than Josh Allen? Yes. Really? Absolutely. Really? Yes. I I don't buy that. I I would I would say J- Josh Allen brings he can run, he he's more physical, he has a stronger arm, he has worse weapons, a worse offensive line and still put up more yards per game than Eli Manning. Does he have a worse offensive line? Yeah, dude, that's the worst offensive line in football. The, the, the I don't know. Bills. I watched that Giants offensive line this year and they were bad. No, no, Saquon Barkley had some success because of that offensive line. It's still I don't think it right. was because of that <laughs> offensive line. It's still an all right offensive line. I, I think it mm. is. I, t- I just don't think Josh Allen is going to last in the NFL. They had a quarterback who took him to the playoffs. Buffalo did a few years ago. For whatever reason, moved on from him. Now he's out of a job, and they're stuck with Josh Allen. I still don't know what Josh Rosen is going to produce in the NFL. And I still can't understand Sam Darnold and why the obsession is there with him. Well, what don't you like about Sam Darnold? I saw him play at USC, and I saw Notre Dame just light this kid up. He should have left. Mm-hmm. because it was all downhill his senior year. Like, he peaked during his Rose Bowl season against Penn State. I would agree with that. He had a bad senior Ooh. year, and I never liked him out of college. Yeah, back when I was on NBCLA, we had a whole thing about uh, are Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold ready? And I thought Josh Rosen was more ready than Sam Darnold. But I could see the tools and what people believe to be potential in Sam Darnold. People always look at, oh, he's got this, he's got this, he's got this which means he's going to be really good at the next level. You know what I you know what speaks to the though? Mm-hmm. What about the people that just actually are really good? The people that put up stats. Look at Baker Mayfield, won the Heisman, all of a sudden he's the best quarterback from that draft class and everybody thought Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were going to be better and even Josh Allen. People I thought all that stuff, but now I'm starting to realize that unless you can put up numbers in college, you're not going to be that good. I mean like people thought, "Oh, Mitchell Trubisky over at North Carolina." Oh, he's going to be the next big thing because he's got this incredible accuracy short and he's got a high football IQ. Really? Then then why didn't he put up stats in college? He's had a pretty good NFL career. Okay, Ma- that's Matt Nagy's fault. <laughs> Matt Nagy is phenomenal as a, as a head coach. Mitchell Trubisky can't throw, can't, can't throw left. He can't turn his body. He, it gets tremendously worse whenever he has to turn his body that way. So what did you see out of Josh Allen at Wyoming that made you think he would be a good NFL? Because I would argue well, that he didn't put up this, this is still a year ago, okay? This is back when I was just a oh, okay, little right, right. So it's an outdated opinion. Yeah, yeah, okay. an outdated opinion. But what I saw was tremendous arm strength and a guy who was big enough, like a Cam Newton type, a little bit slower. I didn't think he'd be as good as Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. But I thought a Cam Newton type 
who was maybe a little bit better at reading defenses. John Michael Hoefling in studio with me, Tanner Hoops. We've got to take a timeout. When we come back, the NFL Top 100 list. we got 90 off the board. We're going to tell you why we disagree with the next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Here's your Sports Center update. Yankees first baseman Luke Voigt has been placed on the 10-day injured list with a hernia. The team says surgery is a possibility. Jill Ellis is stepping down as head coach of the U.S. women's national soccer team after five seasons. Ellis led the squad to -to back-to-back women's World Cup titles and finishes with a record of 102-7. And fight, how about that? Pretty dominant. She'll go down as a legend. Makes me chuckle a bit. And finally, the Great Dane, Morton Anderson. The all-time leading scorer in the NFL until last season when Adam Vinatieri surpassed his mark officially became a U.S. citizen this week. How about that? Dang. The Great Dane. His 25-year NFL career and officially becomes a citizen this week. He did play at Michigan State, though, so he's a local around here. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Technically. How about I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. The NFL Top 100 list this season. Does anyone ever like this list? Does anyone ever agree with it? No. No. I don't. Frankly, because last year Alex Smith was not on that list. <laughs> Despite having his best statistical season, being on the list twice before, and just, uh, okay. I tell you what, it always just seems to make everybody mad because everybody has skin in the game. Like you have a player that you think should be ranked higher or should be on that list. Someone from your team, you know, let your fan bias in a little bit. And nobody likes that list. Nobody's satisfied with it. I don't know why the NFL does it. To be honest, uh, I'm not I'm not too upset with where any of the 49ers ranked. George Kittle came in at 29. Hmm. D. Ford was the only other 49er that made it, and he wasn't even really a 49er. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I'm not too I'm not too upset with any of that. I'm more upset with guys like Andrew Luck coming in at 20. Yeah, despite, what's up with that? I, I don't get it, man. Like even 20 is pretty high, and still I'm like, he should have been higher. He should have been higher. Yeah. He's my MVP pick this year. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on yeah. that. But That's what I'm hoping for yeah, this year. I'm hoping for that, too. I have them finishing to the one seed. I'm getting a lot of crap oh, from really? my pick. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. From, I have them, no, but, I love that pick. I'm all in for that. Yeah. yeah great schedule. I mean, they're in arguably the toughest division, too, which is... Maybe. Well, it's a very consistent division. It is consistent. It's got, it's got no weak points, and I can't say that about any other division. Like the AFC North, you got the Bengals, you got the Bills and Dolphins, you got the Raiders and Broncos, and mm-hmm. you got the Redskins with Dwayne Haskin. So every other division has at least one weak point, but I wouldn't say that the AFC South has any weak points. Technically, no. They can realistically produce two playoff teams, maybe, maybe three, three, if the Titans can figure T- things Titans out. Titans are a solid team, and I think like Jacksonville's only two years removed from... Right. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get from them. They're yeah, a mixed bag, and they, up, and they, they have up, Nick Foles. Yeah, they upgraded the quarterback, too. Mm-hmm. So. so there could be something out of the AFC South. I'm with you on that. But I tell you what, I love the Colts, and I love Andrew Luck and his game and his interviews, his sound bites. That's our goal is to get Andrew Luck on the show <laughs> one day and hopefully cure our obsession Dude, with him. If you got Andrew Luck on the show, man, <laughs> I, would just, I would just try to come in and listen to it. I wouldn't even be a part of it. I would, I would put some spy gear in the other room or something. Oh, but I tell you what, we are 10 away from having the list completed, we're still trying to figure out who are the last ten to be revealed. We, now, we, we know nine, nine of them, right? Yeah. Who is on that list again? It's Rodgers, Brady. Brady, Breeze, Mahomes. Those are the four quarterbacks. Okay. And then you got Gurley, who I think, I, I mean. That's Gur- a little high. I know, yeah. I would say that too, but I mean, he's the only running back that I think is left that I can think of. Uh, Jones, and Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald. That's nine. Mm. Who's the last one? That's a good question. Who's left? Like, I was thinking Kareem Hunt because I don't think he's a top 10 player. way too high. I don't think he's a top 10 player, but I do think he's a top 100 player. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a dud of a personality, but he's a pretty good football <laughs> player. Dud, yeah, you could say that. You know, that's one way to describe it. But, um, I like, I, I just, I can't think of anybody. Uh, are there any other running backs I'm missing? Where'd Zeke go? What number was he? Zeke went 18. And Barkley was 15th. 16th. 16th. Yeah. And Phillip Rivers right between those two. 17th. Sandwiched yeah. in between yeah. those two. Higher than luck. I don't like that. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say that either. Where'd Baker go? Baker went 50. Baker was 50th. That's higher a little than, low, I would think. Higher than Deshaun Watson, though. Ooh, that's, that's not right either. Yeah, that's not right. No, I would say those two are both top 50 players. How about Odell Beckham? Where'd he go? 23. 23. 
I'm trying to think who could be that last I've, player that we're missing. I'm not even looking at my phone, guys. I just like know this. I've been following really closely to this list. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins is high paid as he is. Where'd he fall? Oh my god, dude! He, the fact that he was even on the top 100 just irks me. But I think he was like 75 or something like that. He finished higher than Carson Wentz mm. and Cam Newton. Oh no! And barely lower than Matt Ryan, which I was like. Where'd Stafford go? Stafford is not on the list. Not on the list. Which, yes, that that astonishing. I, I, Stafford, I know that he's struggled. He's probably not achieved to be in the number one overall pick ten years ago, but he's a top 100 player. Yeah, he, he's absolutely a top 100 player, and the fact that he didn't make it. I'd put him higher than Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, certainly. Baker's probably close to that tier. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I the fact that Stafford's not on this year, very much so. We have a couple huge Lions fans of the ABC 10. Mm-hmm. They are very upset with that. How about Russell Wilson? Where'd they put him? 25? I think they put him at 25. Seems a little low. That's a, that's a little low. For a guy too. who should have two Super Bowl rings? Yeah. Hmm. Who could be that last player? I'm trying to figure it out. Hold up. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Yeah, because this is going to bug me if I don't figure out who this is and who's going to be going where. It's going to be somebody that, like... Obviously, we should have thought about, but, right. we, should, but we just can't. Uh, we just can't like put our thumb on it because the quarterbacks all sound right. The quarterbacks are right, and it's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins or JJ Watt. They were eleven, twelve, thirteen. Was Michael Thomas? It's not going to be another defensive player because Donald and Mac are the top two. Well, and then the next defensive player that was on there was Bobby Wagner at fifteen. Mm. Like, is there another defensive player I'm missing? I don't think so. Who led the league in sacks last year? Donald, right? Donald did. Well, how about Darius Leonard? Darius Leonard was 26. Okay. Yeah, he's already been on there. Like, everybody I think of, I'm like, oh, no, they were already on, they were already on, they were already on. Where'd Melvin Gordon end up? Oh, he was, hold up. I know he's on, he's on this somewhere. But he's not a top 10. No, he's not a top 10. 34, Melvin 34. Gordon. Right in between Adam Thielen and Devontae Adams, which hmm. Devontae Adams is too low. How about Keenan Allen? Is he like 60-something? Yeah, he's like 50, 60-something. I, I can believe remember. that. Yeah. It's going to bug me. Okay, how about how about a kicker? Justin Tucker? <laughs> He's not going to be top ten, but I, where did he end up? You know what's up? crazy is kickers have actually made the list before. Adam, Adam Vinatieri has been on the list. Did Justin Tucker make it? I think he's made it before. He should. He's the yeah. most accurate kicker in history. Yeah, he should. I agree with you. And I think Greg DeLeg, like absolutely deserved it this year. <laughs> but, um, just Greg DeLeg. Yeah, kickers don't get a lot of love in the NFL. No, they only get the only time they ever get noticed is when they miss. Like, right. you might know who Steven Hauschka is because he missed two clutch field goals last season. Or Roberto Aguayo because he was supposed to be the great kicker and didn't pan out at all. You know who Blair Walsh is? Uh, how about, who's the guy? Okay, now we're thinking about guys who had terrible misses, <laughs> and I can't remember this guy's name. The guy from Auburn who kicked for the Vikings until midway last year. Oh, oh. Daniel oh. something. Yeah, 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 Daniel Carlson. Daniel Carlson, that's yeah, yeah. right. And then he went on to set the field goal percentage record for the Raiders after he got cut. Yeah, and then there's like other guys you remember just for being like really bad. Josh Lambeau, that's another yes. one. Yes, yeah. I remember him more for his name, I think. Yeah, exactly. Josh Scobie. Oh, yeah, Scobie. Yeah. Oh, dude, like. Remember Lawrence Tynes from the Giants? Yes. His Twitter account is one of the funniest. Really? I, I need to find I love that. his Twitter account. Okay. No, there are some kickers that I love reminiscing about old kickers. And, like, you don't think about these guys anymore, but they played such a big part, and they're so underrated, like David Akers from yeah. the Eagles. David Akers was a, the man. Just the man. There was also, um, like, as a 49ers fan, the one bright spot on our team always was always our two, our kicker and our punter. which was Robbie Gold? No, 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 no. Joe Nedney. Joe Nedney, how about that? Joe Nedney and Andy Lee back in the day. That's a name. Yeah. Jeez, Andy Lee. How about, remember Marquette King? Yeah. Yeah, he was fun. He was a punter, but he was fun. He's not that old in LA. He's not that I don't even know where he is anymore. I don't think he's in the NFL. May not be. I don't think, I think he might be, though. I'm not sure. He honestly might have been an Alliance of American football player. There was no team that fit him better than the Oakland Raiders, and the fact that he's not on the Raiders anymore just like seems like a waste. I got it. The player we were missing from the top ten, Von Miller. Oh, yep, that's Von yep, that's Miller. It. That's it. Okay. Yep. All right. So yeah, they do have the three best defensive players in Miller, Mack, and Donald up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the quarterbacks were all right. And they were all correct. Todd Gurley's the like the one of those ten that I'm like, eh, it doesn't really. Deserve oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I I don't agree anymore. 
maybe if they would have made this list around like week 14 last year, probably I would have said, yeah. but I'm not going to draft him in fantasy this year. No, not at all. Too much risk. Even though it goes with my fantasy I, team I, name. I would. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember that. Um, I would draft Le'Veon Bell before I draft Gurley. Yeah. And that's saying a lot for me as a guy who does not like Le'Veon Bell. If you had to go with your wish list for NFL running backs this year, because I've learned running back is the most important position to draft. Well, you need an absolute stud. You do. You yeah. do. And you need him to stay healthy. Yeah. And you need him not to hold out like Le'Veon when I took him number yep. one overall last year. If I had to make a wish list of my top five running backs in fantasy football, I would go Saquon number one. Okay. Probably go with Ezekiel Elliott at number two. You're talking about not holding now. You got Zeke. Nothing's, nothing's I, I know, but sure I'm banking there. on getting Saquon, and I'm banking on that Zeke will strike a deal at some point because okay. where's he going to go if he doesn't? I don't know. He's got two years left on his contract. Yeah, that, but then they can risk- franchise tag him, and yeah. then he's there for four. Yeah, that's a risky deal to try to hold out with two years left. I don't think he has as much leverage as he thinks. I think um, he'll yeah. end up signing a deal. I'd say so, too. I'll go run CMC at this point. He's my t- he's my third. McCaffrey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had McCaffrey before, and it worked out really well, yeah. so I could go back to the well. I don't want to do Kareem Hunt, especially with the fact that, you know, besides the obvious, he doesn't play for the first eight games. Well, not only that, but I think Nick Chubb's going to take over the starting role even when you Kareem think so? Hunt comes back. Yeah, Nick Chubb was outstanding. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. You know who, if he finally stays healthy, Dalvin Cook, would be a fantasy He'd monster? Be a He'd be a good one. But he'll probably get hurt in week four again. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like good guys when you think about it. I mean, there's still Melvin Gordon, David yep. Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and even a guy like Damian Williams, who sure. just as long as it's a running back in Andy Reid's system will probably finish top 10. Do you feel like Philip Lindsay will be able to repeat what he did last year? I don't. I don't think he's going to have the same. I mean, Case Keenum had a little bit of a reputation after last season, after two seasons ago, leading the Vikings to 13-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So they did have to respect the pass game even a little bit, and especially because at the beginning of the year, Demarius Thomas was still on that team. Now they just bring in Joe Flacco, who's got no reputation at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, you won a Super Bowl, but that was like eons ago. So Or six years. Yeah, or, or six years. <laughs> hey, man, it feels like forever ago. But uh, Do you think that we'll be able to see any of Joe Flacco tomorrow? Because NFL football's back tomorrow with the Hall of Fame game. I, we will absolutely see Joe Flacco tomorrow. Are you excited for the Hall of Fame game? Okay, so we were talking about this, Yeah, right? I might watch it just because we haven't had football in so long. It's going to be Broncos against Falcons, so we'll see yeah. Drew Locke. I think I'm more excited to see Drew Locke than that, I am Joe that's Flacco. That's the case, right? right? That's why I think we're going to see Joe Flacco, because I think there is a legitimate quarterback battle for the Denver Broncos. Sure, absolutely. But it's like, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot like preseason baseball, mm. where people are going to be, oh, I'm so excited to see live-action baseball or live-action football again, but then... You know, after a quarter or two, they're going to be like, man, this sucks. It's like people watch the Summer League. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, man, I can't, wait to see the, I can't wait to see NBA players going at it again. And you're like, oh, all right, there's, there's no LeBron. and He's too busy eating tacos. There's no Curry. There's no Kyrie. That breed of people who loves basketball so much, they actually turn to FS1 so they can watch the big three during the summer. Oh, <laughs> God bless those people. By the way, Carlos Boozer just got cut from his big three team. Oh, my That's how you know it's time to hang Uh, it up. That is time to call it a career when you get cut from a big three team. Let's become an analyst, Boozer. (laughs) Let's do something. Tanner Hoops, John Micah Hoefling with you. Let's switch to baseball next. Trade deadline just finishing up. We'll break it down next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple I Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you winding down this Wednesday afternoon. Getting set for vacation, man. Getting ready to go back to Iowa and have a Casey's Pizza. You ever had a Casey's Pizza? No. You ever been to Iowa? Yeah. Oh. I've driven through Iowa. I have, fa- I have family in Iowa. Do you really? What yeah. part? Sioux City. I can't Sioux remember. City, is yeah. that right? Yeah. A little over an hour from my hometown. Yeah, That's where fact, I got my hockey career in fact, started. The, the Hoflings are actually a, a pretty big deal in Sioux City, <laughs> if, if I remember correctly. How, tell me how they're a big deal in Sioux City. Well, the big church there, the lead pastor is a Hofling. Okay. Yeah. And um, there's a park. There, there's a famous sculptor in Sioux City uh, who's created a couple sculptures for the parks in Sioux City. And, like, you can go up. Floyd Monument? 
Uh, I'm not sure. I'm no. not sure what they're called. There's there's a trumpeting. There's a guy trumpeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a bronze statue or whatever, and you can look at it. And I believe it was made by Edward Hoefling. Mm. So, How about uh, that? Yeah, Hoefling's in Sioux yeah. City. What do you know? And when I went up to go cover the Northwoods League, it was the first time I ever met that side of my family. Sure. It was really cool. But yeah, my dad lived in Iowa for for a while. Yeah, so there there is some Hoefling history in Iowa. And you never had a Casey's Pizza. Never. Yeah. I, I, I the only the only pizza I had in Iowa was. There's no pizza ranch on the West Coast. No. So I tried pizza ranch, and i got to be honest, I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not as good as I thought it was going to be. Pizza ranch is a big deal because it was created northwestern Iowa. Actually, my mother's hometown really? is where they invented it. Oh, that's cool. But I'm not a big fan, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a big Iowa thing, but I much prefer Casey's. Although is Casey's a chain or is it? Casey's is a gas station that oh. makes really good pizza. And that I know does... what you're thinking. Okay, yeah, I yeah, know what you're thinking. Right. Everybody says that. Don't knock it till you try it. Like, okay. Iowans will go to war over this. Just, just imagine, though, if I was like, all right, there's a gas station in California that makes a really good sushi. Oh, I know. I know. I'd okay. feel the same way. Okay. But gas station sushi and gas station pizza, those are two different things. Fair enough. I don't eat regular sushi anyway. I yeah, like I mean, I'm allergic to fish, so. But well, everybody in California eats sushi, dude. Oh, I could believe it. Yeah. I mean, isn't that where it's invented? Or some. I mean, I mean, I think Japan is where it was invented. <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what. I am just going to be smashing a large Casey's pizza. I cannot wait to go I, try one. I've seen you eat. I'm, I'm not going to doubt you on that one. Nope. You're going to be smashing it. I'm a hungry dude. Yeah. <laughs> if I tell you what, I'm excited for that. But Sioux City's a nice place, too. I, that was where I got my start broadcasting hockey. That's cool. Sioux City, Iowa. It's a great place. Yeah. But I tell you what, we have got baseball to break down. Now, you've been high on this for a long time. Trey Mancini to the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. And this afternoon... The Brewers opted to deal Jesus Aguilar to Tampa Bay. Maybe it means you're on the same page as that front well, office. Did you see who they got back? I'm not even sure who this was a trade for. Like, was this a trade for the Rays or was this a trade for the Brewers? Because the Brewers got promising young starter Jake Faria. I think that I think that's good. <laughs> I know. I just like the way you said it. Yeah, he's probably better than a lot of guys they have in the rotation right now. Like, the last couple of days, they have gotten starting pitching in Faria and Lyles. Two guys that are, you're kind of like, no, fine. I I think Jacob Faria could be tremendous. He could be. Will he be is a different thing. Last season, he was phenomenal, I think. Him plus Snell. They were a good one, too. Yeah, but this year's sort of backed off or whatever. But if he can figure it out, and I don't think Milwaukee's, you know, pitching coach is going to help him out very much, but... Still, he has a lot of potential. Who won this trade, do you think? Or was it even for both? I think, it, like I said, I think it was for both. Tampa I, I think Bay, both teams came out well in this yeah, trade. Tampa Bay's looking for offense. And, and especially look, at first base. Yeah, Milwaukee's looking for starting pitching. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a hole at first base now. But, I mean, Travis Shaw was having a pretty good season once they DFA'd him or designated him for assignment. Yep. Right? So they could bring him back up, probably stick him at first base. I think that's going to be Eric Thames' spot. Well, you, the, all right. Well, then, so they, are they not going to bring uh, Shaw up at all? I don't know what the plan is for Shaw. Like, I, I do feel like Shaw will be in a different uniform next season. But I don't know what the plan is for Shaw going forward. I really like Travis Shaw. I know. I know. And there's stuff to like about him. Well, but just, I don't think Brewer fans like him It very just much. makes so much sense. Like, maybe you could put Keston Hira at short. But then or you lose Orlando Arcia. And yeah, Arcia's, you got to keep those two where yeah. they are. Uh, but then Kesson here is at second, and like maybe you could put here at short, and Mustak is at second. But like uh, that—that's just way too much maneuvering. Right, right. Hey, the, defensively, the Brewers could end up looking pretty good. You think about their potential lineup: an outfield of Braun, Kane, Yelich, and then Gamble will sub in there every mm-hmm. once in a while. Infield from third to first, you have Moose, Arcia, Hira, Thames. With Grandal behind the plate. Or Mancini. or Mancini. I know. and you. <laughs> it makes so much sense. But like I said in my Monday Minute, I'm not sure if you saw it, but mm. like I said, Mike Elias seems very content on keeping Mancini and trying to build around Mancini. Mm. So you would need to give up a lot, a lot, a lot for Mancini. But I think he's worth it, legitimately. Well, the Brewers are deep as far as their prospects. So yeah. they would have the prospects to make this deal. And not only that, but... Mancini's on a uh, on a major league minimum right now. Mm-hmm. He's on a major league minimum contract right now, locked up for the next two years. Meaning, you wouldn't even have to pay him that much for the next two seasons. He wouldn't even be a rental. So yeah, even if this season you're a little too far out of the race to, which I don't think they are, but even if this season they are a little too far and they can't make it to the playoffs, you still have Trey Mancini for another season at league minimum. 
That's what they should have done. I'm telling you, like, the, Trey, I'm surprised more people aren't going after Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. 287. <laughs> 287, 20 home runs. And he's a Notre Damer. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you know what? If you were a GM, maybe. I just get all the Notre Dame alums, every single sport. You know what? I like his spirit. I like his spirit. He's hitting 230. <laughs> yeah, but fighting Irish, man. Man, he's got a fielding percentage in the 940s. <laughs> I see that Notre Dame degree. I just need that in my locker room. <laughs> Yeah, I got a little bias in me, but that's why I'd be a terrible GM. Too much of a fan. That's true. But I tell you what, last night, there were fireworks out in Cincinnati, Great American Ballpark. Um, Pirates and Reds, man, they just keep on giving us highlights and content. I love it. I mean, it is fun. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in every sport just don't like each other. Nope. Nope, football. That happened a few years ago where Vontez Burfick knocked out Antonio Brown with that yep. legal hit in the playoffs, and now they're teammates yep. of that. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be fun to see, you know, because just finishing up right about now, they had an afternoon game today. But David Bell, the manager for the Cincinnati Reds, was ejected earlier in that game and then rushed out of the dugout when the benches cleared in the ninth because Amir Garrett was hearing some chirping from the Pirate dugout, sprints off the mound, and goes and takes on every single Pittsburgh Pirate by himself. I need to know what was said. Yeah, I want to know what was going on. Who said what? Yeah, because Amir Garrett was heated before he took off for the Pirates. Yeah, he was. And according to the call, I, I listened to some of the call yesterday according to the call there wasn't chirping going on until like halfway through that meeting on the mound mm-hmm. so if that's the case why was amir garrett heated what 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 chirping started coming off was it about the pirates dugout in general or there are so many unanswered questions just by the video like i want to know more like i need to know what was said i've got the audio for it i'll play that quick serious conversation going on right now and garrett is hot and now there's some serious chirping coming from the Pirates' dugout. And now Garrett's on his way to the dugout, and here we go. Oh! Garrett goes in there punching. This is not a good scene at all. You can feel it brewing and brewing and brewing. have to look back on this. There's David Bell who came back out of the clubhouse. A certain suspension for him. And now Puig from the back. Puig coming at. Quick. So then the two managers were getting into it. David Bell and Clint Hurdle. Bell, again, who'd already been ejected in inning earlier, came running out of the dugout, went right after Pirates manager Clint Hurdle, and he was finally put in a headlock by Pirates hitting coach Rick Eckstein. But Bell, when asked after the game, is this Clint Hurdle's fault, he said, he's the manager. This has been going on all year. What's been going What's been going on all year? <laughs> so many questions. I, I want to know. I want to know what this drama oh is. Oh, my gosh. Because you remember the back in April... Derek Dietrich admired his home run out of PNC Park, and then little chin music came his way is, in retaliation. Is this going to be like a George Contos, Bryce Harper thing, where just for years some stuff has pent up and it just leads into eventually something? Was there anything with Hunter Strickland and Harper before oh, their ball? I mean, maybe it was Strickland. I can't remember. I always get Strickland. I do, I do remember up. Strickland. I think Contos might have had one too. Maybe. But last night, Keone Kella threw up high. At one of the Cincinnati batters, Joey Votto went over and had words with him at the Pirate dugout and then had to be restrained. And then Yasiel Puig, he probably was traded at this point. Like, this is weird. The story broke. Jeff Passan broke the news that Yasiel Puig had been traded to Cleveland while Puig was still in the game in right field. He hadn't been removed. And then he goes out and gets in a fight afterwards. That's what I'm thinking. Like, were they chirping about, like, people getting traded? Could have been. I think that's what it was, but I, I can't say for certain because right. we don't know all. I, I, oh my gosh. What I wouldn't give for a sit-down with Yasiel Puig. What I love about what happened last night, a few days ago, okay, I have a few friends that are Cleveland Indians fans. You know, they're friends, but we're rival teams. And, man, after winning four straight division titles, those guys are on a high horse that they need to get knocked off of. And a couple of nights ago when the Twins traded for Sergio Romo, I saw one of them post a gif, and it's like a guy rubbing his hands maniacally, and he's, like, watching Minnesota think Sergio Romo is the answer. Well, now we're watching them get rid of a guy whose last throw as an Indian went over the center field fence, Mm -hmm. 
for a guy whose last act as a red was throwing haymakers in a benches clearing brawl. And I'm watching Cleveland implode after being the most well run organization in the Central for the last five years. And I just love it. I think Fran Mil Re- uh, Reyes is, he may be the best player yeah, from that he, trade. Yeah, he might be. So I, I, I still think Cleveland won the trade. Yeah, because there was no question that Trevor Bauer wasn't going to return this. Right. Season. And even without Trevor Bauer, they still have a phenomenal starting rotation. Shane Bieber, Corey Kluber, and I'm not sure what deals with Carlos Carrasco right he's now. He's coming back yeah, soon. He's coming back, but he's going to be tremendous as well. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe give him a couple starts to right. figure it back out, but. Like yeah. they're going to get more healthy here uh, toward August, September, what have you. But I tell you what, I still think Minnesota's going to win that division. As close as Cleveland gets, I'm still pretty confident. Okay. I mean, you, you are a Minnesota fan, right? I am a fan, but I am still confident. Like, I can be a fan. I can be really pessimistic as a fan. I'm not right now. I just think Minnesota's still going to win that division. Yasiel Puig is not going to help the Indians. I mean, this is great. I well, love I mean, it. I mean, he's the best outfielder they got now. That's a bad thing. Yeah, but, I mean, it's still an upgrade. Yeah, but the bar's pretty low. I mean, that's like saying, I mean, do you think Sergio Romo's going to help? So I think he'll help. I don't think he's the answer. Yeah, yeah, he's not the answer, but he's still an upgrade, right? He is an upgrade, yeah. yeah. So you can't look at it like, they got Sergio Romo, what a the stupid thing. It's like, no, they upgraded. They actually, you yeah, know. Yeah, but Bauer is a top-of-the-line pitcher and a Cy Young candidate. Couldn't they have got more back from him? I think Fran Reyes is getting pretty good prospect out of that. I think you can get a lot better offense than I mean, Yasiel Puig and Fran Reyes I mean, well, for a guy like I mean, Bauer. What, what's your problem with Yasiel Puig? He, he's still he's still solid. Yeah, but he's been declining. Do you like year. Eli, but you don't like Yasiel Puig. Well, Yasiel is kind of a dud of a personality. If, I mean, you know, being yeah. radio friendly as well. Yeah, that's true. Puig is he's been declining. He set the bar so high for himself back in like 2014, Made and he consistently. Of- Made the cover of MLB The Show. Right, and consistently falls below expectations. I, yeah, but I wouldn't say that he's... He falls below expectations, yes. But I wouldn't say that he's a bad player. I think he's a borderline... He's not a bad player. I, I, I'd, I'd say that he's probably a borderline all-star most seasons. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, what's he doing right now? He's got 20 bombs. That's good power. It is good power. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I don't think they got nearly enough for Trevor Bauer. I think Cincinnati won this deal. Well, Trevor keep, in Bauer, mind, keep in mind, it's also a rental. Maybe, because Cincinnati's not contending this year. So what are they getting Trevor Bauer for unless they're confident they can re-sign him? Yeah, but that's still the case. It's not a sure thing yet. But they got to have some kind of confidence they or know have, something we don't. They have to have some sort of plan. Like, they're not going to give up a guy like Yasiel Puig, who still is one of their better players, just to let the guy that they get back for him walk unless they have some kind of inside knowledge that he is going to re-sign. Okay, hold up. 253, 22 home runs. That's not bad. It's not bad. No, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I mean, don't you really like Hunter Renfro? He's okay. I mean, yeah, and Hunter Renfro's sort of having the same stats. I don't think he's that great. He's not bad. That's kind of where I'm about. Yeah, see how quick. Okay. I think they got way too little in return for Trevor Bauer. I, I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, last year of his contract, and like we were saying, they've got to have some sort of plan. They have to know something that we don't. But until they do, I'm gonna. I'm still skeptical about it. I'm just excited for the clubhouse atmosphere. They think getting rid of Trevor Bauer, bringing in Yasiel Puig will improve it. I love it. I well, I mean, there's something about a guy that'll straight up try to fight an entire team. Unless he does it when they're playing the Twins. I mean, who knows? He he takes out the jaw of Nelson Cruz all of a sudden. I, I know. Think, think how the season changes after that. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops and John Michael Hoefling with you. By the way, you can hear the Indians this evening on ESPN-UP. They are welcoming Houston. Come on, Houston, just sweep this series. Twins are playing Miami. This is a perfect time to get some space. Hmm. That can be heard here on ESPN-UP and online with our app. But with that, we're out of time. Appreciate you as always, my man. Thanks, I got a feeling what you're going to be coming out with this week, but anything that you got in the works over at ABC 10? Well, you know, uh, speaking of the Teal Lake swim that happened over the weekend, going to try to grab Colin Vandershaft, the young swimmer from the Marquette Swim Club that just dominated, broke the record, broke an Olympic gold medalist record for the Teal Lake swim. How about that? So, yeah, going to try, gonna try to grab him. Uh, among other things, got some stuff planned for previewing football season because that's coming up soon and of course going to do some stuff with the nmu and michigan tech players as well. love it yeah. and i tell you what maybe a future olympian for marquette we maybe. do have a very probable future olympian a u.s national athlete from marquette on the show tomorrow 
be sure to tune in. But before we sign off, let me give you a few more trades that just happened over the course of the last hour or so. No surprise, Shane Green is no longer Detroit Tiger. He is on his way to Atlanta. In exchange, the Tigers get a starting prospect, Joey Wentz, and infielder Travis Demerte. Atlanta's made a few moves today. They got right-hander Mark Melanson from your team, the Giants, and they pick up catcher John Ryan Murphy. Meanwhile, the Dodgers get infielder Jed Jerko from the Cardinals. And how about this? A big one. Philadelphia gets Corey Dickerson from Pittsburgh. I'm just happy the Twins did something else besides Sergio Romo. They get Sam Dyson, another guy from your Giants. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros just became World Series favorites. They just picked up Zach Grinke. And how about this? Nick Castellanos has been unloaded. He is the newest member of the Chicago Cubs. That is it for us once again. Tune in tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. I'll be back on then. Until then, my name's Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan on ESPN-UP.